0: Well, hello there. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to D4. This is the show where each week we take a deep dive into one, sometimes two, specific character builds for Dungeons & Dragons 5e. We theorycraft about them, we crunch numbers, not with the intent to tell you the right way or the best way to play a character, but to explore one potential way to build and play a character with the hopes of creating something that is both really fun to play in-game, but also powerful. So, If you enjoy creating characters for D&D almost as much as you enjoy playing the game itself or you're just looking for tips or ideas on how to play a particular character, then welcome home. This is where you belong. And I'm really glad you're here, for reals. So thanks for being here. My name's Colby and I'll be your host. All right, let's just jump right in today. I think the best part about character creation for D&D isn't just to try to build the best or most powerful character for whatever role the character you're building is meant to fulfill. But instead, what I love most about character creation in D&D is taking a character concept that you love, that feels like a great story you could build a character around, and then trying to create something that is fun, but also not just viable, but even powerful. And yet staying true to that specific character concept that you're trying to build your character around case in point a few days ago as of this recording anyway my friends kelly and monty aka the dungeon dudes who you probably know but just in case go there to find them because you should know about them they released a video ranking all the classes in D for how well they perform the support role in a party and by support they were basically talking about characters who can keep their party alive bring them back from the dead buff allies debuff enemies basically make the members of their party able to perform better and more effectively and stay alive right in that video they said and i quote if you had a barbarian as a support character you don't have a support character now for the record generally speaking i think that's a pretty accurate statement i do not disagree with them but Twitter user B Lin saw the video and decided to issue me a challenge to create a barbarian support character. Fool that I am, I immediately replied with challenge accepted, thinking in my head, okay, I'm just going to put that on my to-do list and maybe I'll get to it one day, right? Unfortunately, Kelly or Monty or whoever manages the Twitter account at uh, Dungeon Dudes replied shortly thereafter to say, this will be good. (laughs) And I was like, oh crap. Now there's pressure and I actually have to create something that's potentially viable and maybe do it soon. So here we are. Now, obviously trying to build a barbarian as a support character is never, I don't think, going to be the most amazing support character ever. It would be particularly bad, I think, if you were just to go straight barbarian without any multi-classing, right? There just aren't a lot of abilities that barbarians get innately that let them do all of the things that a support character should be good at. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you can't build them in a way that they could be a pretty decent support character especially with a little multi-classing and for the record i highly doubt that monty or kelly would disagree with that statement either right now building a character this way you might not necessarily be a support character on par with like the starry twilight healer that we did but admittedly twilight clerics are kind of (laughs) overpowered but nevertheless for this character concept you want to be a barbarian But you don't just want to be the typical frothing-at-the-mouth, brainless, murder-hobo barbarian, which, to be fair, can also be a lot of fun to play, speaking from personal experience. But no, you want to be the thinking-person's barbarian. A barbarian who loves their share of mindless violence, sure, but who balances that mindless violence with a compassion and maybe a desire to support and heal and help you are the proverbial barbarian with a heart of gold who wants to eradicate your enemies but also do things to bolster your allies finding a way to enable and empower them to better ensure that they're successful in all that they're trying to do and maybe most importantly that they stay alive to do that thing and i mean frankly there's a lot of precedence for this type of character in D&D, right heck the cleric themselves have medium or very often heavy armor proficiency Shield proficiency, more often than not, they're wading into the thick of the fight, mixing weapon attacks and offensive spells with support-based spells and abilities, are they not? Paladins, maybe even more so. So maybe what you want here is a character kind of like that, but who is maybe a little bit better at the offense and frontline role, at least compared to like a cleric, say and yet who can still provide enough support that you can fill that role, that support role, exclusively or almost exclusively for your party. That is kind of what we're going for with this build here today, I think. Maybe something akin to like a war cleric, for example, or a paladin who emphasizes being a frontliner over support. And so to that end, I'm going to give myself two rules for this character that I have to stick with in order to stay true to the concept rule number one I have to start barbarian and I have to have at least half of my character levels at any given time be in barbarian yes I'm gonna do some multi-classing I basically always do some multi-classing with very few exceptions but yeah we have to feel more like a barbarian than anything else here and then two I have to actually build the character to be played like a barbarian this means I'm raging when I can I'm using two hands to make weapon attacks, and I'm attacking recklessly. It can't just be like a cleric or a druid or something in barbarian's clothing, where I'm taking barbarian levels because I promised I would, but not really playing the character like a barbarian otherwise, right? Now, speaking of multiclassing, one final note. For the record, I think this character would be one of those that I didn't really think of being like this many levels of barbarian and that many levels of something else and then a third class that takes a couple other levels but instead would kind of consider them to be their own custom class whose class progression just happens to pick up different levels in different classes along the way as like part and parcel of the custom class that you've envisioned obviously i'd want to discuss this with my dm beforehand but yeah instead of like a barbarian x class number two y class number three z i think i would call them episode 98 the shaman big thanks as always to my friend randall hampton for the fantastic artwork that he creates for the character concepts that i send him each week really loved what he came up with for this one he does such great work his attention to detail and i feel like every piece is better than the last one if you would like to follow randall and or know how you might reach out to him to potentially commission him to create some art for you or your party i will put links as always in the video description thanks randall also before we jump into the build a quick word about Roll for Combat's upcoming Kickstarter campaign for their new and fantastic Battle Zoo books, as they are again the sponsor for the video this week. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced you guys to this Kickstarter consisting of the Battle Zoo Bestiary Strange and Unusual book that is going to have over 150 award winning new monsters, new monster part rules. And more. The Battle Zoo Ancestries Year of Monsters, which will include new ancestries for monsters, weapons, dungeons, and more. And I'm going to talk about each of those probably individually in a little more detail in upcoming videos. But then also the Battle Zoo Eldamon book, which is Basically going to let you combine everything you love about collectible pet games like say Pokemon, for example, with your DD or Pathfinder or other TTRPG campaign, including ways to collect, train, evolve, and even battle the Eldemon pets you collect. I wanted to spend just a little more time talking about Eldemon as I've gotten some additional detail about it from Roll for Combat recently. First up, Including all forms, there are going to be about 240 Eldemon that you're going to be able to play with. That's incredible. Next, there's going to be what they're calling an Eldadex for each Eldemon, integrated directly into the game but then available online as well. That's going to give you just about everything that you're going to need to know for each Eldemon, including name, stats, rarity, what they evolve into, description, etc. Also, there's going to be a non-collectible card game included. This will be playable as a standalone game, but will also work directly with the books. Super cool if you just wanna like battle your pets in a one-off or casually outside of your larger D&D campaign. Anyway, All told, there's just so much content packed into what Roll for Combat is creating for this Kickstarter, and I think you should absolutely check it out. The Kickstarter launches on July 19th, 2022, so go to eldemon.com right here to learn more, and I will, of course, put a link in the video description as always. There you can sign up so you can be notified as soon as the Kickstarter launches. I really don't think you'll be disappointed for backing this project. Roll for Combat has a really great track record of putting out some super fantastic 5e and Pathfinder compatible content to just bring a lot of additional fun and variety to your game. So big thanks to Roll for Combat and let's jump into the build. Alright, now level one. When we first meet our character, yes, they're a barbarian, but unlike most barbarians, I imagine that this particular hero of ours is not unfamiliar with the ways of magic. I think my version of this character would probably hail from a tribe far to the north, maybe somewhere near Icewind Dale or Spine of the World if you're playing in Faerun. They probably would have studied under their tribes like local shaman or druid and have developed both an affinity for and reverence towards healing and maybe in particular like nature magic as for our race i'm going to recommend actually going halfling <laughs> not goliath not half orc that's right a barbarian tribe of halflings why not sounds awesome now My number one motivation for going halfling here actually is because of the subrace that I want to take, which would be either the Mark of Healing Halfling or the Mark of Hospitality Halfling. Now, those are exclusive to the Eberron book, and so if you can't use that at your table, I think for an alternative, I'd probably go with an Asimar, the new and improved Asimar from Mom monsters of the multiverse as they get like a once per day heal it's not a spell among some other nice benefits but for the rest of us i slightly prefer mark of healing over mark of hospitality here though i do think you can make strong arguments for either i think mark of healing just gets a slight edge so i'm gonna assume that we're going that route and as a mark of healing halfling we get a number of really nice support focused features like medical intuition this tells us that medicine checks or checks with an herbalism kit, which you might be able to use to, say, make a potion of healing or antitoxin. Get to add a d4 to the roll. Not bad, feels appropriate. You also get Healing Touch, which tells us that we can cast Cure Wounds and then, when we're character level 3, Lesser Restoration, which removes blinded deafened paralyzed and poisoned conditions once per day without spending a spell slot and I really love having like a use in case of emergency heal and even cure option right from the get-go on this character especially because barbarians are a non-spell casting class finally big appeal to mark of healing halfling is spells of the mark feature now we're not going to take advantage of this for a while but later on when we do get spells and spell slots we can add some really nice healing focused spells to our spell list. I will talk about those when they come up later. As for our abilities, I assume as always that we're going the point by route and recommend taking a 15 strength and then our plus one from our racial bonus there, a 12 dexterity and our plus two there to give us a 14 dex and then a 14 constitution and a 14 charisma. You were probably thinking I was going wisdom, huh? But no, as for equipment, I'm going to recommend going the gold buy route as I very often do and picking up some scale mail and a longsword as well as whatever other necessities you may have. One minor drawback to playing a halfling of course is that your size is small which means that if you tried to use heavy weapons you would have disadvantage on your attacks. So, great swords and mauls—not really an option, unfortunately. Though, of course, you could have gone the ASMR route if that is really important to you. Fortunately, however, long swords exist in D&D, and they are versatile weapons. Meaning that if you use two hands to make an attack with them, then you can use a D10 for your weapon die instead of a D8, and that's not much worse than like a great sword or a maul. Now. You might prefer to just use like a longsword or another d8 weapon, like a battle axe, in a single hand and equip a shield for that nice plus two to armor class bonus. I wouldn't fault you for that, but I did want to play this character like most barbarians would be played, and to me that generally means big two-handed weapons, right? So the longsword's going to be our best option, and frankly, a halfling wielding a longsword in two hands is basically the visual equivalent anyway to a medium-sized creature wielding a greatsword but with the bonus of being way cuter raging halflings I could die as a barbarian at level one then we get a couple of features unarmored defense first up if you're not wearing armor your armor class equals your dexterity modifier plus your constitution modifier but Don't do this. Since our constitution or our dexterity aren't amazing, we're just better off with scale mail plus two from our dexterity modifier. Keep your clothes on. And then we also, of course, get rage. So, with rage, as a reminder, twice per day for now. As a bonus action, we can enter rage and thereafter we have advantage on strength checks and saves. So, you could be a pretty decent grappler or shover and i think you should do those things occasionally to hold your target in place and thus potentially help keep your ally safe though keep in mind that you can't grapple enemies more than one size larger than you so for us that means medium creatures only or smaller definitely not building this character with the intent to be a grappler but Use the option when it's appropriate. Also with Rage, you do extra damage on melee weapon attacks that are made with strength. That's an extra two damage per hit for now. And you have resistance to all bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Which means that with our best-in-game D12 hit die and resistance to most incoming damage, we're going to be fairly tough to kill despite our somewhat mediocre armor class. Now, keep in mind also with Rage, it lasts for one minute, and you have to either make an attack or take damage during a round in order for Rage to stay active. And that, of course, most damningly for a character who wants to fill the support role, you can't cast or concentrate on spells while Raging. That's okay. We're going to find some workarounds. At level two, barbarians get danger sense. This gives us advantage on dexterity saving throws against things we can see, like traps and spells. You are a very nimble hobbit, indeed. We also get reckless attack, which tells us that when we make our first attack on each turn, we can choose to attack recklessly, thereby gaining advantage on all of our, again, melee strength-based attacks this turn, at the cost of giving your enemies advantage to hit you until your next turn i would plan on using this as it does great things for our damage right our dpr even though yes it means we're going to be taking more damage but again because we are going to at least while raging have resistance to most damage i'm using it i'm a barbarian i'm attacking recklessly at least so long as i'm raging at level three we get our third rage per day and this is really nice as it means most of us will be able to rage for most if not all of our combat encounters on most of our adventuring days and i mean hey even if you run out of rages or decide not to rage for a particular fight that will free us up to cast and concentrate on spells once we get more of them anyway so it's not a bad silver lining to have for those occasions particularly for us but then we also at level three get our primal path our barbarian subclass and this is very exciting because we are going to choose, can you guess? I bet you were thinking Wolf Totem, Barbarian, didn't you? But no, I'm going to go with a Primal Path that, if I'm being honest, I don't know that I thought I would ever do a build for until now. (laughs) But for a Barbarian who's focused on support, yeah, we're taking Path of the Storm Herald. This subclass is generally thought of as one of, if not the worst, Barbarian subclasses in the game. But... I think for the character concept that we are building, it's a perfect fit. Here's what we read about the Storm Herald Barbarian. All barbarians harbor a fury within. Their rage grants them superior strength, durability, and speed. Barbarians who follow the path of the Storm Herald learn to transform that rage into a mantle of primal magic which swirls around them. When in a fury, a barbarian of this path taps into the forces of nature to create powerful, magical effects. Storm heralds are typically elite champions who train alongside druids, rangers, and others sworn to protect nature. Other storm heralds hone their craft in lodges in regions racked by storms, in the frozen reaches at the world's end, or deep in the hottest deserts. Perfect. So, yes, we are definitely one of those who honed our craft in the frozen reaches at the world's end, as I mentioned earlier. Because as a Storm Herald Barbarian, we get the Storm Aura feature, and this tells us that when we rage, we emanate a magical stormy aura that extends 10 feet from us in every direction, similar to like the Paladin's Aura. It's not a huge area, unfortunately. I wish it were bigger, but it's not terrible. Now, our aura has an effect that activates both when we rage and every round thereafter if we use a bonus action to do so and we have to choose an environment here that's going to dictate what that effect is the desert environment does a little fire damage each round sea does a little lightning damage to a single target but we are of course going to take the tundra environment because tundra gives you and your allies some temporary hit points each time you activate the effect now It's not a ton. It's only two for now, though it does scale a bit as we take more levels in Barbarian. But you know what? Even that small amount can add up to be a fairly significant number of temporary hit points over the course of a fight, since we get to apply it to multiple party members every single round, potentially. Of course, temporary hit points don't stack, so if they still have the ones you gave them from last round, then they're not going to just keep adding up, right? But... If combat lasts for, let's say, five rounds, which is fairly typical, maybe four to six on average, I think, and you're giving multiple party members two hit points every single round, at this level, that's potentially ten temporary hit points to... Multiple party members yourself included and that's not an insignificant amount of protection that we're providing I mean heck we only have 32 hit points currently and we probably have more hit points than anybody else in our party, right? And for us that's a third of our total health It's probably gonna be closer to half for most of our party members not bad at all At level 4 we get our first ability score increase or feat and I want to keep those support features going So I'm gonna recommend that we take the healer feat see As a barbarian, of course, it's going to be important to find as many ways as we can to heal and otherwise support our allies that don't depend on spells thanks to rage. As a mark of healing halfling, of course, we have spells that we can rely on in case of emergency, and like I've said, we're going to be getting some others later, and that's fine. I imagine that outside of dire circumstances we're mostly going to be relying on those spells outside of combat or to maybe bring back a downed ally in case of emergency right and maybe i should talk about this for a second that's fine like most people who are interested in optimization for D and min maxing right will tell you that the most efficient way to heal in D is to just either do it between combat or wait until an ally has gone unconscious and then bounce them back up with a heal we talked about this at length in the support bard that i did and so in many ways the healing that we do is going to be similar to the way that people who play your more typical support classes also heal in D for the most part right and i think that's important to keep in mind anyway i want to find as many ways to provide Support healing protection that are not going to break our rage And the healer feat is a perfect way to do just that with healer when you use a healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature they also regain one hit point speaking of healers kits quick reminder a healer's kit has 10 uses and costs 5 gold each you can use one as an action to automatically stabilize someone who's dying without needing to make a successful medicine check like you would have to otherwise but they don't typically bring someone back to consciousness unless you have this feat so that alone is pretty decent But the best part of the feat is that, in addition, you can use the healer's kit with your action to also restore 1d6 plus 4 plus the character's level in hit points. That's a really efficient heal. To put that in perspective, right now, Cure Wounds cast at the first level would heal 6.5 hit points on average for us. You might be able to eke a little bit more out of that if you had a higher spellcasting modifier, but... By comparison, one use of the healer's kit, assuming we used it on another fourth level character, would heal 11.5 hit points on average, almost double. Now, unfortunately, a character can only benefit from healing in this way once per short rest, but it's still one of the best, like, patch them up and get them back into the fight without needing a spell abilities for our raging barbarian that's out there and is particularly useful to be used like right before taking a short rest on anyone who hasn't already benefited from it right as it will help them recover some hit points maybe make it so that they don't have to spend as many hit dice and then after the short rest it resets at level five barbarians get fast movement um, which tells us that our speed is increased by 10 feet if we're not wearing heavy armor particularly useful for those of us who are only healing with a touch currently and who might also want to position ourselves a little more advantageously on our turn to get as many allies within the range of our aura as possible for a little temporary hit points each round We also, of course, get extra attack. This is fantastic because making two attacks is better than one. And also, our Storm Aura temporary hit points that we're giving each round go up to three from two. It's not amazing, but I mean, it's still a 50% increase over what we were getting before. So, yeah, not bad. We'll gladly take it. But at level six, now that we've secured extra attack, got the bump to Storm Aura and have our healer feet in place. I think it might be time to look to another class for a bit to bolster our support potential. There are, of course, a lot of routes we could go to try and pick up some additional support functionality. However, since I'm committed to trying to play this character as a barbarian first and foremost. I think our options are somewhat limited in that I'd like to find the most powerful non-spell-based support options wherever possible so that it doesn't conflict with our rage. That still leaves us with several potential options for multi-classing. Peace Cleric is one that I considered and that I think would be worth considering, but we didn't really have the ability to get our ability scores high enough to multi-class into Cleric, and also multi-class into the Charisma-based classes that I'm going to end up going with. Taking a level in Peace Cleric would be great for, like, a poor man's Bless. We've already talked about Twilight Cleric and how it's kind of OP. They're big op support feature is the temporary hit points that they provide and we've kind of already got that with storm aura and even though twilight cleric is more powerful again didn't want to go that route with this build worth considering either of those though aside from those I think there are three standout options for multi-classing and the one I'm going to cut but I wanted to mention really quickly because I think it's worth mentioning is rogue rogue would give us some nice additional damage in the form of sneak attack though we'd probably want to switch from a longsword to a rapier since sneak attack requires a finesse weapon or a ranged weapon using a rapier wouldn't be terrible we could then equip a shield if we wanted and the sneak attack damage that we gained would more than outweigh the damage loss of going from a d10 versatile longsword, right to a one-handed d8 rapier but best of all thanks to reckless attack we'd always have advantage and thus could always trigger sneak attack even more importantly though going rogue would give us access to the thief subclass which means that we could use an item as a bonus action which means that we could make weapon attacks and then still heal with our healers kit as a bonus action helping us both do more damage but then also not run the risk of losing rage if we needed to heal with our healers kit on our turn since we're making an attack and get a nice heal as a bonus action all in the same turn, right? Currently, using a healer's kit is still going to cost our action, meaning we're not going to be making attacks, meaning we might lose rage. We tried to take advantage of this little quick hands thief trick in our combat medic build. If you haven't seen that, it was a fun one. I would love to be able to do that on this character. That said, we already have a pretty good and consistent use of our bonus action. Three levels of rogue is a fairly hefty investment for what equates to something cool but that conflicts with something useful that we're already doing in addition like i've said allies can only benefit from that big healers kit heal once per short rest so it's not like you're going to be spamming this bonus action heal all the time or anything i mean feel free to go that route but as for me i am instead going to actually take some levels in warlock right now you see it turns out that your skill in healing and protecting has attracted the attention of one of the great spirits or otherworldly beings that your tribe has long paid homage to and invokes in their rites and rituals this spirit has reached out to you with an offer of patronage additional power to heal and protect your allies in exchange for a pledge of service now for this character especially, I don't envision this as particularly nefarious or manipulative on the part of your patron, but it is an agreement, or maybe a pact, or maybe a covenant. No question. But yes, at Warlock level one, we get our Warlock subclass or otherworldly patron right away, and we, as many of you have probably guessed by now, are going with the Celestial. I don't think I've ever used the Celestial in any of my builds before, but I've also been wrong when saying that in the past, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Here is what we read about Celestial Warlocks. Your patron is a powerful being of the Upper planes. Your pact with that being allows you to experience the barest touch of the holy light that illuminates the multiverse. Being connected to such power can cause changes in your behavior and beliefs. You might find yourself driven to annihilate the undead, to defeat fiends, and to protect the innocent. At times, your heart might also be filled with a longing for the celestial realm of your patron, and a desire to wander that paradise for the rest of your days. But you know that your mission is among mortals for now, and that your pact binds you to bring light to the dark places of the world. Again, I think this fits perfectly into our shaman character concept. Attuned as we are to healing powers and our close ties to spirits or demigods that might empower us further, in our quest to protect our allies while vanquishing our enemies. So the main reason that we're here in Warlock and taking the celestial otherworldly patron at all, of course, is for the amazing healing light feature. This tells us that per long rest, we get a number of D6s equal to one plus our Warlock level. We can then use these D6s to heal our allies within 60 feet of us, an impressive range, as a bonus action fantastic we can spend no more than our charisma modifier in d6s on a single turn to heal so that's capped at two but we only have two of them for now anyway the best part of this healing for us of course is that it's very specifically not casting a spell and thus we can use this heal while still raging and since it's a bonus action we can still make our weapon attacks with our action and heal with our bonus action without risking losing rage and that's one of the reasons why i felt pretty good about not having to take thief here now because we are never really going to have more than a handful of these d6s and because the amount the heal isn't huge and we already have a good use of our bonus action each round i'm probably only ever using these like one at a time to simply bring an ally back from unconsciousness so this essentially acts like a poor man's healing word for us but it is still a very welcome and useful ability nonetheless now we also get spells at Warlock one of course and while the Celestial Warlock has an expanded spell list letting them pick up cure wounds or guiding Bolt if they want at this level we already get cure wounds as well as healing word from Mark of Healing Halfling now that we actually have spellcasting ability I would probably only use those spells if and when our healing light d6s had run out i think and i probably would use healing word like if our healing light d6s had run out and we needed to bounce a character back up from unconsciousness with a bonus action from range it caused us to lose our rage but that might be worth it we don't really want guiding bolt that is available to us as a celestial warlock so that's nice because it just means that we can focus on taking other spells instead i'd probably be focusing on like out of combat utility and support options like maybe charm person or comprehend languages though yeah i'm guessing that most of the time we're going to be using our warlock spell slot for like a cure wounds along with a use of healer's kit in between combat encounters like right before a short rest to give a little extra triage to an ally who's especially low since your warlock spell slots and an ally's ability to receive that big heal from your healer feet both reset on a short rest right all right so At level six, we typically do a damage report, but as with all of my support-focused builds I've done to date, I don't really have a great system that I love for analyzing how effective a support character is with math and graphs. So we're not going to do a traditional damage report, but instead let's pause here to do kind of a tactics report and just review all of the many ways that our shaman can currently support their allies. First and probably foremost, they're providing three temporary hit points to potentially multiple party members, including yourself every single round again not a ton but a little bit each round will go a long way next thanks to our healer feet we can provide one sizable heal to each party member per short rest with our action and even bring them back from unconsciousness with one hit point if we're out of all other healing resources and they go down our healing light provides a nice if small bonus action heal from range that we'd again mostly be using to bounce our fallen allies back up once they go down from an impressive 60-foot range we have one use of cure wounds and lesser restoration per day thanks to mark of healing halfling as well as a spell slot per short rest to be using on that or some other utility or support feature so yeah admittedly pretty much all of our support features currently fall into the healing curing and protecting department not that that's a bad thing we do have a little bit of utility as well via spells and we're going to pick up a little more utility and some additional like non-healing support functionality later though admittedly due to our lack of an ability to concentrate on spells while raging other forms of support buffing debuffing etc are never truly going to be a really strong suit of this character still combine our healing and bolstering potential with the fact that as a raging barbarian we're both pretty hard to kill and do some decent damage i really like the feel of the hybrid thing that we've got going here and just in case you were curious i did crunch the numbers for damage for sustained dpr here and right now this character is doing about 20 damage per round assuming they've got rage active and they're attacking recklessly depending of course on the enemy ac and while that's not great compared to other characters who were specifically built to do damage i'm pretty certain it blows my other support characters that i've built to date out of the water so yeah we're in a good place at level seven we'd be a warlock two and we get a second spell slot per short rest that's very welcome twice the number of spell slots now and then of course warlocks also get invocations at level two and these are super fun and really useful but I think for this character I'd prefer to choose things that provide utility for our party since it feels like a good support to me anyway should probably bring some nice utility to the group as well yeah I think my two favorite invocations here for this level anyway would probably be Eldritch Sight which lets us cast detect magic at will without spending a spell slot which could really help us with our exploration puzzle solving or at the very least help us be on guard for potential danger magical traps etc and then I'm thinking maybe Eyes of the Runekeeper uh, which allows us to read all writing You never know when you're going to come across something written in another language or even say thieves can't that could provide information that might be particularly helpful or useful on your adventure i don't have really strong feelings about either of these invocations though so yeah let me know what invocations you might pick up on a support focused barbarian to try to bolster your support, if possible, and or utility. At level 8, we'd be a Warlock 3, and we get a Pact Boon. And while I can definitely see an argument for both Pact of the Chain, actually, and Pact of the Talisman, maybe more interestingly, I think my pick here would be Pact of the Tome. And this is actually a pact that I've never used in a build before. Weird, right? With Pact of the Tome, our patron gives us a Book of Shadows. Though I think, for me, for this character, I'd maybe Flavor it as the book of light (laughs) but then so long as this book is on our person we know three cantrips that can be from any class's spell list this means we can pick up first and foremost the very fantastic guidance cantrip which lets us grant an ally or ourselves for that matter a d4 to be used on the character's next ability check i don't anticipate using this much during combat in all but the rarest of circumstances but it still does give us a nice arrow in our support quiver to to help ensure that our allies more easily succeed at whatever they're trying to do beyond guidance i think i probably take message to be able to communicate telepathically and maybe mending as that really can come in handy for repairing broken things or even healing like homunculuses or something i would definitely though at least consider vicious mockery though I'd probably only use that if I were like out of rages for the day it's just a fun way to do a little damage but also force an enemy if they fail their saving throw to have disadvantage on their next attack roll thus potentially helping keep your allies safe mind sliver should probably get an honorable mention here as well as it does a little damage and then causes an enemy who fails their save to subtract a d4 from their next saving throw again helping your allies succeed on important spells etc now also warlocks can swap out their invocations whenever they gain a level in warlock and thus now that we have pact of the tome i think i would swap out one of the invocations that we currently have for the book of ancient secrets invocation this gives us three nice little perks. First, we can now cast warlock spells as rituals if they have the ritual tag, something we couldn't do before, making spells like, say, Comprehend Languages or Unseen Servant maybe even more appealing now. Second, if we ever find a ritual spell on our adventures, we can add it to our Book of Light, similar to how wizards add spells to their spellbook third and probably best we get to choose two first level spells from any class's spell list again that have the ritual tag add them to our book and cast them as rituals only from now on and this again opens up some nice support options for us i think the two spells that i would take here would probably be first find familiar so that we can have a familiar to scout for us which is some really nice utility but then also give advantage to an ally, since we already have advantage, on one of their allies' attacks via our familiar taking the help action, right? As for the other spell, I think I probably take Purify Food and Drink on the off chance that we need to eat or drink something that we fear might be poisoned, or maybe Identify might be a good one here for some nice utility. We do, at this level, get second level Warlock spells now as well. Lesser Restoration and Prayer of Healing both come to us for free via the Mark of Healing Halfling, and both of those are super welcome it's going to be nice to be able to cast lesser restoration more than once per day now if we need it and prayer of healing can be a decent little group heal you know in between combats it heals up to six creatures for 2d8 plus our charisma modifier it's not bad considering that multiple party members get it but it does take 10 minutes to cast of course so you're not going to use this in combat right definitely plan on using this if we have a spell slot to burn right before taking a short rest other than that from the warlock spell list I'm probably going to take Misty Step for some useful teleportation. Mirror Image is worth considering to help with our own survivability. It doesn't require concentration, and so we could use it before we rage and get three, like, illusory images of ourselves that our enemy might target instead of us when they're attacking. Or maybe Invisibility for some out-of-combat buffing of a party member who might really need help being stealthy or needs to stay hidden for some reason. At level 9, we'd be a Warlock 4 and we get an ability score increase her feet and I want to take bountiful luck I love this feat and it's one of the other main reasons I really wanted to go halfling here so if you recall, I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but halflings have this great ability called lucky, right? Where if they roll a one on an ability check, attack roll or saving throw, they can reroll the die and use the new roll. With bountiful luck, we can essentially use our halfling lucky trait on our allies. So if they're within 30 feet of us, we can use our reaction to let them reroll a one that they had rolled on an ability check, save or attack roll. Though, if we do this, we can't use our lucky feet until the end of our next turn. Still, turning like an ally's crit fail attack into a successful hit or like a miserable failure on a saving throw into a potential success is really going to make your allies love you once in a while. And as a support character, that's kind of what we're here for. All right, at level nine, time for our next tactics report. And In addition to all the heals and temporary hit points we were already providing, we can now provide even more with another spell slot and new spells like Prayer of Healing and Lesser Restoration. In addition, we've also now picked up some nice ways to help our allies turn potential failure into success via guidance, bountiful luck, and our familiar, as well as loads of utility options via invocations, additional cantrips, rituals, and other spells. I'm feeling downright useful. And pretty powerful. At level 10, we'd be a Warlock 5. First up, we get a third Warlock invocation. I think I'm probably going to take Farscribe here. It's only available at level 5 Warlock to those who have Pact of the Tome. Farscribe lets us, with a character's permission, write the names of Proficiency bonus number of characters, so four for now. That's probably going to cover our entire party, or nearly so, and or maybe an important NPC that you might need to communicate with, right? You write their names in your book, and then going forward, you can cast the sending spell targeting one of those people whose name you've written in your book without spending a spell slot. And there seems to be no limit to the number of times you can do this. All you have to do is write a message in your book the person hears the message as if spoken to their mind no matter where in the world they are and they can then reply immediately with their response appearing in writing in the book that's some serious tom riddle's diary awesomeness right there some really fantastic utility for you and your whole party and it's just really oozing with cool flavor i love it We also get third level warlock spells here and this means some really important and powerful options for us as a mark of healing halfling we get mass healing word which isn't amazing i'd probably only use it if i had multiple allies unconscious i think and we wanted to bounce two or more of them back up right but then the much stronger aura of vitality now since our vitality requires our concentration we'd be again unlikely to use this in combat of course but it is a really great out of combat heal spell it heals 2d6 hit points once per turn as a bonus action to a creature of our choice each round for a minute this means that it's going to heal for 70 hit points on average over that one minute span making it a super efficient heal spell for a third level slot especially since those heals can be spread out amongst our entire party right more importantly though i think as a celestial warlock we get access to the revivify spell which I would of course absolutely take it's hard to imagine pretending to be a support character who didn't have at least one way to bring a dead ally back from the grave and getting access to this spell was one reason I decided to go all the way to Warlock 5 before any other multi-classing or Barbarian levels the other spells I would consider taking here would be remove curse which you might not need often but will be really great to have when you do as well as either counterspell or dispel magic, if not both. Generally speaking, counterspell seems to be a little bit more useful in combat, I think, to just prevent an enemy spellcaster from even getting a spell off in the first place. But again, since we're generally not going to want to be casting spells in combat, I might opt for dispel magic here instead so that we can at least remove harmful magical effects if we come across them, whether in combat or maybe more often outside of combat, right? But at level 11, we've got to go back to barbarian. If I'm going to keep my promise of having at least half of my character levels in Barbarian, and honestly, there are some good, if not great, reasons to do so. We're not going to get a lot of support features, but I mean, hey, just getting an additional d12 hit die with Barbarian levels alone is a compelling reason to take more levels in barbarian especially for someone taking half damage on most of the damage they take right but also as a barbarian six which we would be now we do get a fourth use of rage per long rest and that's always welcome especially for those of us who find ourselves fighting a lot every day and we also as a storm herald barbarian get the storm soul feature which is not very good As a storm herald of the tundra, this means we get resistance to cold damage. I mean, okay, fine. That's situationally nice. But then, then we can touch water and turn a five-foot cube of it into ice that melts after one minute and fails if a creature is in the cube. (laughs) What the? I mean, that's our level six feature. I really want to be in a situation where, like, I don't know, we have to cross a really important pond, but we have no way to do so. Then in steps the storm herald barbarian, turning all the water into ice, five feet at a time. Hopefully not falling off that floating chunk of ice while they're waiting six seconds to do it to the next patch, so we can safely cross. It would be fun to use this once in a while just to mess with people, I guess. Some uppity noble trying to take a drink of water. Ha ha! Stay thirsty, you pompous prick! <laughs> I don't know at level 12 we'd be a barbarian 7 and we get feral instinct this is a pretty decent feature giving us advantage on our initiative rolls so that we can get our rage our damage and our temporary hit points going that much sooner and also letting us act normally on our first turn in combat even if we're surprised so long as we rage before doing anything else which we're kind of already doing anyway right At level 13, we'd be a barbarian 8, and we get another ability score increase, or feat. As much as I would love to bump a whole slew of my ability scores, maybe strength more than anything, I think I would take a third feat here, Inspiring Leader. This is just a really nice support feat, but also one full of yummy roleplay flavor with inspiring leader if you take 10 minutes to do so you can give a rousing speech that shores up your party's resolve doing this you can choose up to six creatures including yourself and give them each temporary hit points equal to your level plus your proficiency bonus so that would be 15 temporary hit points for now that's a nice little chunk of temporary hit points now granted we were already providing our party with regular temporary hit points during combat and again they don't stack but at this level enemies are hitting fairly hard so if your ally actually gets hit more than likely that you know one hit is gonna remove most if not all of those 15 temporary hit points you started them with and they'll be ready for a few more on your turn don't forget a creature can't benefit from inspiring leader more than once per short rest but sort of feels like something that you're going to be doing during a short or at the end of a long rest anyway so it doesn't feel super restrictive to me all right time for our level 13 tactics report since last time we checked we picked up some very important and powerful spells including aura of vitality and revivify another really potent way to give some temporary hit points via inspiring leader and a number of things to improve our utility like Farscribe, some nice bumps to our own survivability, and the ability to turn water into ice. Never again will our allies have to suffer the pain and indignity of lukewarm beverages. Take that, room temperature mead! Haha! Ha. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'll stop now. At level 14, now that we've got a few more barbarian levels under our belt, I'd like to finally dip into a third class now to pick up just a couple more support options. For me, right now, that means paladin levels. And again, I'm really hoping that we don't need to justify this multi-class dip to ourselves or our DM. It's simply the natural progression of the the custom shaman class that we've created. We are a melee-focused, frontline character with an emphasis on support and healing, thanks to our ability to commune with nature and a powerful nature spirit who's lent us some of their power. And we've proven our devotion to them and or to our just and righteous cause and are thus granted additional power as a result makes sense to me but as a paladin one we get the very useful and potent lay on hands which gives us five points per paladin level to use as an action to touch an ally and then either heal them one hit point per point spent or remove poison or a disease for five points this means that we can now remove poison diseases curses or the blind, paralyzed, or deafened conditions. That's a nice little suite of cures we can we bring. that's a nice little suite of cures we're bringing to the table. I probably wouldn't use lay on hands to heal in combat unless my warlock healing light dice were used up since it requires both an action and a touch. But I'd probably use it in combat before spells since lay on hands is not a spell and thus wouldn't break Rage by itself right we also get a little utility feature in the form of Divine Sense which lets us detect any undead fiends or Celestials within 60 feet of us who are not behind total cover at level 15 we'd be a Paladin 2 and one of the main reasons I wanted to come Paladin actually was for the fighting style that we're going to get at Paladin 2. I really wish I could have gotten this sooner but I would definitely take interception here as my fighting style as it would let us with our reaction reduce damage. damage done to an ally that's within five feet of us when they are hit by an attack by 1d10 plus our proficiency bonus it's not a ton of damage but it's not bad we don't have a super consistent use of our reaction currently and coupled with the regular temporary hit points that we're providing is gonna do a pretty good job of further helping our allies stay alive and we get divine smite as a pally too of course and even though I'm not building this character with a focus on Nova damage or burst damage I mean Every once in a while, you're gonna need to do just a little more damage to kill off an enemy. And being able to smite them, which lets us add 2d8 of radiant damage when we hit them with a melee weapon attack, plus an additional d8 for every spell slot above first that we spend. And yes, we could spend a warlock spell slot here for divine smite in their third level, which would mean 4d8 if we wanted to. That's gonna be a nice option to have when we need it, I mean especially when we crit right as that would let us double the divine smite dice too and since we constantly have advantage we are going to be critting almost 10 percent of the time then finally as a pally two we do get spells and that's another of the main reasons why i wanted to dip into paladin I, i really wanted to have a couple more spell slots on this character i mean again it's not something that we're probably going to make a ton of use of in combat as a barbarian but having only two third level warlock spell slots per short rest feels a lot worse to me than two third level spell slots and two first level spell slots to use for an occasional cure wounds or even healing word if we're out of other healing resources and we need them in a pinch of course as a Paladin we do get access to some nice additional support spell options but most of the best ones, like Bless, require concentration, and so I probably wouldn't plan on using them unless I were out of rage uses. Still, I think it'd be worth taking for those situations, as well as maybe things like ceremony or command. At level 16, I think I probably leave Paladin behind, though, even before we get to our Oath. I considered going pally three to get oath of glory for a nice little heal as a bonus action when you smite it would be a great way to like cast essentially a souped up healing word without actually casting the spell thus letting us keep our rage active and do a little burst damage to boot but in the end i kind of felt like we have a pretty nice suite of healing options already so i figured i'd end the build with barbarian even though this means we'd be a barbarian 9 here and that means we get brutal critical which just isn't a very amazing level 9 feature (laughs) with brutal critical when we crit we can add yet another damage die from our weapon only meaning instead of 2d10 with our longsword on a crit we do 3d10 it's not nothing it's just not particularly amazing especially at this level but i did want to get to at least level 10 barbarian for this character which we would be at level 17 because as a storm herald first up we get shielding storm which means that the cold resistance that we picked up for ourselves at level 6 now extends to our allies that are within our 10 foot auras radius again that's not amazing but it will be really nice in those specific situations where you need it but even better i think at this level the temporary hit points we provide with our aura as a bonus action each turn jumps up to four and again while not a ton of hit points considering that you're bringing them every single round and that you probably started off the fight with an inspiring speech over the course of a five round fight your nearby allies are going to get almost 40 temporary hit points from you and that's a pretty decent addition to their survivability especially if you're intercepting damage for one of them on occasion and providing some healing when needed for our final tactics report and to kind of summarize I feel like we've got a pretty healthy suite of support tools in our tool belt is it a tool belt or a quiver of support arrows make up your mind we're giving out lots of temporary hit points we have lots of healing and curing options some in the form of spells but many that aren't we can raise allies from the dead provide a few buffs like advantage via our familiar cold resistance rerolls on natural ones and guidance and a slew of utility features via spells and invocations on top of all of that thanks mostly to the simple fact that we're a barbarian we have better damage and survivability than most other characters who are trying to emphasize the support role i really like where we ended up so what are my final thoughts? How'd do we do? Is this a viable support character? If you were the only character in your party who was focused on a healing and support role, would you be able to fill that role adequately with this build? Would your party thrive? You know, I really think they would. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they would get like an A grade as a support character or anything, but I might give them like a solid B and maybe a B minus if you're a meanie the biggest hole in their suite of support options of course like i've said comes from the lack of like a consistent concentration based buff or debuff. But I think especially if you had even like an offensively minded paladin or a bard or an artificer in your party who would be willing to throw out a bless or a fairy fire or something, your party might not even feel the difference for not having like a support focused cleric or something comparable. Honestly, this character would be a much better support than we had in the first D&D 5e campaign that I ever did, which went from level one all the way to level 16. And for the most part, we did just fine. Most importantly, I think, with this character, they would be a lot of fun to play. (laughs) it would let you fulfill your dream of playing that shamanistic healer who also rages packing a decent punch and being really hard to kill don't forget that all those temporary hit points that you're throwing out to your party also stick to you but of course you are only taking half damage most of the time so you're going to benefit from them more than anybody else in your party will anyway i hope you enjoyed it and get to play it sometime and that i get to play it sometime too for that matter though that seems increasingly unlikely the more of these that i create because that's the build for the week i hope you guys know how much i love you you're so awesome thank you for watching thank you for liking and subscribing and considering joining the channel as a member and all of those things and commenting i hope that you'll check out the other content available on the channel if you're not in the habit of doing so but more importantly i hope you have a fantastic day and a really great week and that you stay safe and that you're kind and good and that i see you again really soon but until then take care Bye-bye. I hear the drizzle of the rain like a memory it falls soft and warm continuing tapping on my roof and wall any other Simon and Garfunkel fans out there? Hmm. That's a good song. That's very pretty. Alright. Alright, 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 alright. yeah. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Well, hello there, my fine feathered friends. <laughs> what are you, a bunch of birds? Let's try that again. Where was I? Deet, 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 deet. Let's just double check that. I think it is. Pretty sure. Oh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> doop, deep, doop, deep, doop, doop. Yep, both of them. I was right, <laughs> which doesn't actually happen as often as I would like, despite my own overconfidence to the contrary. <laughs> hmm. Lots of dishes clanking how much longer until summer's over because that's the because that <laughs> because that's the build for the week